0: Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Mulani. Speaking pay, speaking pay, speaking pay, speaking pay, speaking pay. In today's episode... I'm sharing another of the audio sessions from the Phenomenal Presenter's Masterclasses, this time on pace. Which of those paces was correct at the beginning? Well, it depends on a lot of different things, much like everything, to be honest. Before we talk about what it depends on, let's talk about what pace is. Pace when speaking is the variation or balance between the different rates we use to deliver what we're saying. Like everything else, it should be used with the other modulators, things like pitch and pause. It can be fast, medium or slow, with graduations or changes in between. Before I give examples and talk about fast and slow pace, I'd like to note that I'm referring to pace in English. In a future episode, we'll explore the fascinating features of PACE across languages. I'd also like to add that no two brains are the same. Different people have different capacities to speak. So when I talk generally about these points and give examples, I'm not talking about speakers who have neurological or physiological differences, which mean they speak more slowly or quickly, naturally. No two brains are the same. And this is all about connected and inclusive communication, after all. When pace, thinking about it being a balance between the rate and delivery, is off, it means that there's an uneven rate of delivery when the person speaks. If I speak too slowly, my words might plod along. Okay. That's enough of that example. When I speak too quickly and I gabble along really really quickly, then... Enough of that example. What happens? What's the difference between the two and the effect on the listener? Speaking too slowly can plod on and cause a sense of monotony. A listener can get bored. The points made might not be heard as a result. Speech can lose its authenticity, or a speaker may seem disinterested in their topic. When I'm listening to some YouTube videos, I have to increase the speed because they're too slow for me. But that's just for me. For other people, they might be perfect. This podcast episode could be the same. Like everything else, how I hear depends on what I'm used to, the way I have nurtured my ear to listen. If pace is too fast, It becomes like a garbled piece of speech that can't really be followed. You can lose the audience, annoy the listener, insult the listener. Maybe you can affect the listener's status, especially if they're interested in what you have to say. For instance, if you're someone who's used to speaking at a very fast pace and you're presenting to a team whose language background is different to yours, If their proficiency is much lower, they might not understand what you're saying. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. When most people consider pace, they automatically tend to just think about how quickly or slowly we speak. But there's so much more magic to it. Pace aids rhythm and emotion in ways that most people don't realise. Emotion is incredibly important when delivering a message, when communicating to connect. Listeners gravitate towards certain speakers and withdraw from others in a seemingly natural way, which has been subconsciously nurtured. The choice of rate, just like pitch, is connected to how we feel. When we're excited, our rate is faster, and when we're more serious, sad, or dejected, it demands a slower delivery. Think about it. If you were speaking to someone who just suffered a loss or something dreadfully sad, Would you start talking to them like this? Maybe you would. I'd urge you to reconsider. They might not quite be ready for that level of energy yet. We can also show when we're feeling reflective or when we're trying to remember something by using a slower rate. Oh, when was it? You can hear from how I said that, that I'm trying to get you to let me think. I'm thinking back as if I'm searching inside my mind, going back and remembering. If that's followed by a quickening of pace, the spontaneous effect can be achieved. It's almost like it's pouring at us from our memories. (gasps) Oh yes, now I remember. Both of them together. When was it? Oh yes, now I remember. You see? Slow thinking pace, followed by the fast, jumpy pace. The meaning of words and images created can also be shown by lingering, staying on a sound for a little bit longer, or speeding up on the delivery of certain words. Emphasis, of course, will connect and tie in here. As with everything, all of the different, uh, different, uh, different... I made a mistake there, and I'm not going to remove it. I got excited about what I was telling you. What did I do? I spoke more quickly than I could articulate clearly. Let me start that again. All aspects of modulation combine to allow a speaker to paint an emotional picture for the listener. Imagine if I'd said that sentence without using any modulation. All aspects of modulation combine to allow the speaker to paint an emotional picture for the listener. Which did you prefer? The first time I said it? Or the second? What are some general pace considerations? If you were listening earlier, you'll giggle at me now. Consideration 1. Rate and articulation capacity. My mum used to drill this into my head when I was a child, say it to me over and over, and to my sisters. Christine, never speak more quickly than you can articulate clearly. Now, mum was my speech and drama teacher as well, so she had to say it to me a lot. I've been training in this for a long time. Have you ever been listening to someone speak and suddenly they fumble their words? like me earlier in the episode, or they don't seem to speak clearly. What's happening? Any number of things. Nerves, excitement, pronunciation problems, or pace. I'm as guilty as anyone else of getting excited or nervous and spluttering over my sounds sometimes. Speaking rate needs to be adjusted, so the sounds can be formed clearly in the mouth. This helps listeners follow what we say, not just because they can follow the speed but because the brain is capable of catching and being able to piece together the language that's being heard. when we're not used to different accents or different languages, our brains aren't as able to process what's being said quite as quickly. That's why the master classes are pitched at advanced, proficient, and first language speakers of English. If I offered it to ears and less proficient users, it would be too difficult for them to follow. Adapting across languages is difficult. For me, the trilled R in Spanish is not natural. It's really challenging. So like the uh, (laughs) R, I have to practice and try all the time. I'm not sure if I'll ever get it perfectly correct. It means that when I speak to certain people, they find it difficult to follow what I'm saying. Or sometimes correct me, which if I may add a comment here, does not help a speaker unless they have requested correction. So I often practice R con R cigarro oh, a tongue twister to help train the muscle into moving in a way it's not used to. When I learned Polish, I did the same. I used to practice stu spovoami vanemi nogami. It might sound like I can say that really well. I don't speak Polish to a very high level, but I practiced that over and over and over again so that my mouth learned how to shape the sounds. Difficult consonant combinations, new words, new phrases, borrowed words and phrases make it considerably challenging when moving into a new language and also when adjusting the mouth to acquire new clarity of diction if you've been speaking English all your life. Slow yourself down. It's okay to go slowly while practising and learning. Not so slow that you lose an audience. That's what rehearsal is for. Do things like the examples I've given. Tongue twisters. Learn how particular sounds and difficult combinations are formed and placed in the mouth. Practice moving your mouth in ways that it's not used to. Get those muscles. Yes, they are muscles which can be trained. The tongue is one of what I believe, I should have looked this research up before I started recording this, but I believe it's one of the strongest muscles in the body. It used to be claimed that it was the strongest. Get them strengthened and more flexible. You can do all of this and more in the Phenomenal Presenter's Masterclasses and Listener. Because you've decided to nurture your communication capacity by listening to this podcast. If you use the code WELCOME50, WELCOME and the number 5050, you'll get a 50% discount on sign up. Go to PhenomenalPresenters.com. When you've had your fill of the podcast today. And let's get connected. What expeditioner never finds at least one treasure on their travels? Consideration number two. When you're thinking about pace and you're going to speak, consider the acoustics in the room that you're going to speak in. If it's a very large room, depending on the types of walls, the doors, the curtains, the number of people that will be in the room, how high the ceiling is, the microphone you're using, you might need to slow down your rate especially if there's an echo. Check the room in advance. Practice. Then imagine what the difference would be when there are 20, 50, 100, whatever number of people in the room. If it's a meeting room, it might be smaller. In this case, you can quicken your pace. But then you need also to be mindful of your audience. Consideration number three. What's the age range? Are they elderly? Do they have additional needs? How do their ears hear? Are they a first language speaker of the language you're presenting in? How accustomed are they to your accent and to your voice? You might be a European coming from, I'm going to use Poland as an example. You probably wonder why I'm picking Poland and Polish. I lived in Poland for a while. And you're used to speaking to people from Germany. Germans are used to hearing Poles speak. I'm not saying all Germans are. If you're German and you're listening to this thinking, I'm not used to hearing Poles speak. Nothing I say applies to everything. It's not possible. But it's understandable that Germans are more used to hearing Poles speak than they are used to hearing Croatians, with whom they do less foreign trade. So, you're a Pole, used to speaking to Germans. Your German counterparts are used to your accent and speaking pace. Then... You go into an American company and you're going to speak to people in Southern America. They're not used to your accent. Maybe they've never left their state either. So on top of not being used to hearing your accent or rhythm, they may have an unconscious bias that fires immediate judgment when you speak. Shutting their capacity to listen down. Dealing with this bias is one thing, and a subject for future, or many future podcasts. For now, we're considering pace, and what you can do as a speaker to make yourself intelligible to those ears. An adaptation and shift in pace is needed, to meet their listening capacity, and allow them to follow what you're saying. Watch them. If they're looking confused, if they start looking away, looking at their phones... If their shoulders drop, you're likely losing them. There can be other reasons for this disengagement, of course. Either check in with them, or adjust your pace accordingly. When I say check in with them, there are techniques you can use to engage with an audience vulnerably, using a bit of self-deprecation, without damaging your reputation. Again, more on that in a future episode. Make sure you're subscribed. Finally, consideration number four. Think about consistency in your rhythm. Increase the duration or lengthen the major syllables in the words you speak. In other words, the prominent or peak syllables. They take the most stress with a slight increase in pitch. You should be hearing that throughout the podcast, particularly in the sentences I just spoke. Compensate for those lengthening moments or the duration by quickening up or speeding up on the less important words or phrases. They take a secondary stress. And by weakening, linking or reducing the other forms, such as articles, a, an, the, and prepositions, things like on, in, at. This technique is what helps produce an insistent rhythm. The... Boom, 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 weak, strong, weaker, strong, weak, weak, strong. Rhythm that you get in English. It's not just English. It applies to your language as well if it's not English. Your language, your first language. Or maybe second or third. This rhythm won't be the same. But you'll also have a rhythm to yours. Languages, after all. Really just vocalised music. This particular facet of speech, pace, has five or six different modules on Phenomenal Presenters and I go into more detail on syllable accentuation there. And don't worry, I won't be banging on about the platform. Banging on, it means going on and on all the time about the platform in every episode. Though I am considerably proud of it. Like you'd be proud of a child you birthed. This is my baby, I suppose. A final plug and we're done for the minute. Use the Welcome50 code your discount today. The first hundred get a free strategy call with me to work on one aspect of speech, pronunciation or communication. First come, earliest booked. And before we close, it's quest time. At the risk of this sounding like homework, some teacher habits never die. I send you expeditioners on a quest to discover how the pace of your language compares to English if English isn't your first language. If it is, what can you discover about the pace of English where you're from? You might be thinking, English is English. I hold my fingers up in little exclamation marks when I say the next word. Native speakers all speak the same. Well, that's what the world, and particularly for a period of time, the British Empire would have had you believe for many years. When you listen to the episode on accents and dialects, prepare for your nurtured communication beliefs to be challenged or confirmed if you're already someone who knows that the world of English has not been owned by the British for a very long time. I'm excited to read your findings. Add them by leaving a review comment and any other considerations you'd like to offer. In the next batch of recordings, I'll select comments to respond to and add into episodes. There'll definitely be one comparing rates across languages, with some very interesting findings, in my opinion. As always, thanks for listening. Please like, comment, share and subscribe. Until next time, Banatia viz